0: Welcome to the People Teaching People podcast. My name is Tiana Fesch. I'm a mom of three, an educator, a course development consultant, and a lifelong learner. Teaching and learning can take place anytime, anywhere, and in a multitude of ways. The range of knowledge and skills to teach and to learn about are truly limitless, but at the heart of all teaching and learning experiences are the people. The People Teaching People podcast is the place to talk about the who, what, when, where, why, and how of teaching and learning in a world where there is always more to discover. Education plays an important and integral role in all facets of our lives, how we work, do business, live, play, explore, and build relationships. Let's talk teaching and learning together. Welcome to the People Teaching People podcast. Joining me on the podcast is Anne Mock. Anne is a creator, advocate, and blind storyteller. Leveraging her influential presence on social media, Anne actively utilizes her platform to bring education and awareness to the blind and visually impaired community. She started her business, Purpose in View, to inspire a barrier-free world with a clear vision and purpose to live to your full potential. Anne's recent TEDx talk, Blind Sighted, is a testament to her unwavering belief that true inclusion is not only attainable, but necessary in our world today. I had the immense privilege to connect with Anne through a Jilly Academy virtual alumni event. The Jilly Academy is an online platform curated for small business owners, entrepreneurs, aspiring influencers, and anyone who is wanting to learn the ins and outs of brand strategy, influencer marketing, content creation, photography, digital storytelling, and so much more. During the event, Anne spoke about the work that she does and how the Jillia Academy courses supported her with this work. What she shared about accessibility and social media made me realize that I had a lot more to learn. So I reached out to Anne following the event, and I'm so glad that I did. Thank you so much for joining me today, Anne. Thank you, Tiana, for having me. So good to
1: be here and chat with you.
0: I'm excited for this conversation. I have so many questions to ask you, but I wanted to start off with getting to know you a little bit better, and I'd love to know about you and your story and the journey that led you to start Purpose in View.
1: I originally was working in healthcare, actually, for a long time, for about 25 years, and I always had a sense that something wasn't quite right with my vision. I would always had poor vision since I was little. But as I got older, I noticed it progressing worse and worse. I always as a kid had those thick Coke bottle lenses. (laughs) But as I got older and had the kids, I noticed that I wasn't being able to see what I know I should be able to see. I wasn't able to see the license plates in front of me when I was driving. I wasn't able to see the street signs when I was driving. And I began to start to feel more unsafe. I had gotten laser eye vision, so I knew what was good vision, because it was like an aha moment. Like, wow, my eyes are so great. But that quickly deteriorated over the next few years after that. And I would keep going to the eye doctor and saying, I can't see what I know I'm supposed to be able to see. And he would check my vision and a visual acuity, And he's like, no, you're fine. And this went on for about four visits. So that's every two years you get your eyes checked. So this is eight years, constantly saying, you're fine. And I thought, I, I know there's something wrong. And I had already decided to give up driving at that point, because I, I knew there's something wrong. And I started taking the bus and transit. And this was in the prime time of my kids, in activities, swimming, hockey, you name it. And so my husband was taking on those duties of driving. And I would take the, the bus to work. And finally, the last visit, I thought, you know what, maybe if I get contact lenses, maybe if they're sticking right on my eyes, maybe I'll see better. But it actually made it far worse. And it was so strange. So I right away went back to the eye doctor and I said, it's, it's worse. And he's like, he thought, huh? So he said, you know what, I'll send you to the retinal specialist. And she sat down with me and she was the first person that made me feel like I wasn't going nuts. And she really listened to me and she told me, I believe you and let's send you for more testing So we did some testing and then I was diagnosed with an inherited retinal condition called cone rod dystrophy. And on that exact same day that I was diagnosed, I actually got the job of my dreams. So that morning I was diagnosed and in the afternoon I had to go to Human Resources and sign a contract for this job that I had worked so hard for. And I I just didn't know what my future held for me. So it took about in my head I thought I'll give myself five years. See how this goes. I, I didn't nobody knew. Nobody at work knew. And I did a great job. <laughs> I was a really great employee. You know, only my family and my friends knew. But then I got really in the last year of it, about 2018, I knew that it was time to step down. And so I went to CNIB. And I started learning orientation and mobility to start using cane to learn kitchen skills and our home was in a much needed renovation at that time. So I studied universal design and I started getting our home ready for aging in place. And that fall, we started workplace accommodations. So I was actually a procedure room assistant at that time and I moved to a desk job. And then suddenly in January, I woke up with this headache that was like migraine, like, and I'd never had before. And actually to this day, I still have. So I wasn't able to return to work, not because of my vision, but because of the headache. Uh, And I ended up being bedridden for the first eight months of that diagnosis. And in that time, The pandemic hadn't quite started yet, but I was very isolating, suffered from a lot of depression, and then the pandemic hit, starting to feel a little bit better, but I was still isolated at home, and everybody was at that time, (laughs) Uh and I was hearing and reading in the papers about and the news about how it was a struggle for the vision loss community as we had to rely on apps and websites to get everything delivered just like everybody else, but they were inaccessible and businesses were struggling as well. And, and how hard, hard it was, you know, with the lack of connection for people and we were you know, all relying on our our devices. And so that's how I started purpose in view. I'm a really visual person. I love you know, home decor and shopping and all kinds of things. (laughs) But I really wanted to build that connection. And I didn't know anything about really social media. I was never on social media before, but I wanted to make it accessible. So I really took it upon myself to learn about social media, to educate myself, learn how to make it accessible, the ins and outs of it, and to learn about the visually impaired community because before this, I've actually never met anybody like me Hmm. who was visually impaired or come across anybody that was visually impaired in my, in my whole life, in my community, even though I live in a very big city, (laughs) usually don't come across anybody really. So that's how I started that. And I learned that, in order for people to have their Instagram posts accessible for the visually impaired, you they need to use their screen reader. And you have to make sure you put an alt text in your photos. And you need to do image descriptions. And audio descriptions are also helpful. And I also started to to support small businesses by tagging them in my posts so that we could so that vision bear community could see those items and they, and I could describe them so we could all help each other. And so that's how Purpose in View started.
0: That is an incredible story, Anne. <laughs> and I really love how through your own experiences of learning and, Mm. and finding ways to educate yourself and learn how to approach things in a different way. You recognized those barriers and obstacles for people and have taken a role in, you know, trying to build those connections, but also to educate others as well. Because I think So often, we don't know what we don't know. And when I heard you speak as part of the Jilly Academy event online, it just opened my mind and filled it with a million questions about how (laughs) I can do better and what does accessibility on social media look like? And what are the things that I need to be thinking about? And as one person, what can I be doing better to make sure that what I'm sharing and how I'm sharing and how I'm interacting with the platform, I'm being more inclusive. So I can't wait to dive into all of these things more with you. And thank you so much for sharing your story with me today. And speaking of stories, (laughs) storytelling is really one of my favorite engagement activities as a teacher. And I always find like I've taught little kiddos and all the way up to adults, and it doesn't matter your age stories are just something that make content and ideas more meaningful and relevant. And they get people to sit up and pay attention and get curious and really soak it all in. And I'm curious what it means for you to be a digital storyteller and what you've learned in taking on that role.
1: For me, it's specifically leveraging social media, especially Instagram, because it's that visual medium and taking that challenge on and just captivating the sighted community and then connecting it with the visually impaired community so that the visually impaired community is immersed in that experience. So many people have a hard time imagining that visually impaired community use technology, they use their phone and that they can use it very well, but without it, it's actually a lifeline for us there. You know, thank goodness for technology because I mean, our camera provides, so much for us it helps us magnify it helps us read text it 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 just does so much for us like I cannot live without my phone but if people see me with my cane and my phone they question the validity yeah. <laughs> of my blindness <laughs> right but that's the education piece that I want to send out is that blindness is a spectrum and really there are many different levels of blindness and really i believe the the percentage is about 91% of blind people can see something whether it's some light perception shadows lights so we we all have some ability to make out something and our our, our phone is like a very useful tool and it's a way for us to be connected so to to connect the sighted community and the visually impaired community through this medium and through storytelling so that we can engage each other and connect each other and then make that bridge. And I can use music and audio descriptions and include that alt text in there. And then when you can craft that engaging story, and, and use those digital tools, you can really convey a message that is effective and that you can educate and bring awareness without even people actually realizing it, that, that they're learning something. And because a lot of people, it's is like you say, what people don't know, they don't know. But once you become aware, you realize, wow, that's great you know, and it, it opens your minds to, to different perspectives and, and different views on how we see things. Hmm.
0: It really, really does. And I I definitely want to dive into some of those specific things that we as individuals can do better with when it comes to social media. I feel like I have a great deal to learn in this area. <laughs> but before we head in that direction, I wanted to chat about your TEDx talk, which I've watched more than once <laughs> and listened to and I shared with my husband as well called Blindsided. And I was wondering what was that experience like for you? And what were some of the key messages and takeaways that you shared for those people who haven't yet checked that out?
1: <laughs> well, it was definitely something that I never dreamed I would do. It was not on my bucket list. But when the I saw the application, I decided to just go for it. I'd only just done one speech before that. And I just wrapped it up, but I thought I'll take it as a learning experience. And I was so surprised to actually be selected as a speaker. But then, but then when I was, I thought, oh no, what have I done? <laughs> and then I struggled with really severe imposter syndrome. I mean, everybody was master's degree, lawyer, teacher, and I'm I'm a mom. A mom is a big job, but I'm a mom and I I don't have that education level or anything like that. But I know I have a, a message and I know I have an important story and I have something that I want to share. But I, I, I knew that I had a beginning to my talk and I had an end, but I couldn't quite connect it. And with this imposter syndrome, I kind of froze and I really had this terrible writer's block. And normally when I have my writer's block, I'll have it for a while, but it'll eventually lift. It wasn't lifting. <laughs> it was taking a while. And then tickets were being sold. And I was like, I don't have a speech yet. <laughs> but what I realized is the importance of showing up. So, pers- you know, persistence, resilience, showing up, to all my coaching sessions, even though I was so scared, had all these feelings, and I didn't have anything to show for myself, but continually showing up and being there in the face of it all was what helped me the most. And I learned a lot about myself during that time and that I can do it. I can do it. And I did it. And I did it. I did it really well.
0: (laughs) You did. You did an amazing job. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Once it all came together, (laughs) just the light bulbs and the sparks went off, and I was like, "Yes, this is it." And the audience that I was speaking to, I knew was the university. I knew they were university students, uh, faculty, admin. And that's the message that I was carrying through. But I also knew it was going to have a ripple effect to a larger audience. It was going to be recorded and viewed to a diverse amount of people. And the message that you want to hold, that you want to keep and not only live for today, but for the future and that someone could also pick up from and carry forth or start anew or if i ever do this again i would i can carry on and speak of but i did i wanted it to be able to and at a point where there's still more that could be said i don't want to have the fully the answer yet but we could still talk about this and others can bring in their ideas because it's an ever evolving and there's so much impact we can do with this.
0: Well, and I appreciate you sharing the behind the scenes of that Mm -hmm. experience, because I think so often we, you know, people, we see people giving speeches and talks, or we hear about these incredible accomplishments and and things that people have. And we look at that and we don't realize that journey leading up to those moments and, 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 what that experience was for that mm-hmm. individual. So I really appreciate you sharing that. And kudos to you for signing up, applying, <laughs> being accepted, having that moment of oh my gosh and <laughs> and and struggling through but then delivering such a beautiful and impactful talk. So I'll make sure to share a link to it in the show notes as I said multiple times. I've listened <laughs> and it, you did just an incredible job. Thank so you. congratulations. Yeah. I want
1: I want people to know that you can do it. No matter where you are, who you are, as long as you keep showing up and keep at it, no matter what it is, whether it's a TED Talk or anything else, you can do it. It's anything is possible.
0: Anything is definitely possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now I know I have, as I've said, so much to learn about accessibility and social media. And I know Instagram is is a platform of focus in in Mm. the work that you're doing. So how is Instagram as a social media platform when it comes to accessibility? And are there any particular areas of Instagram that just aren't very accessible or not accessible at all?
1: What I find interesting is that, you know, there's so many people on the platform. It's it grows it's grown so fast. And when I looked at it, you know, Instagram's been around since 2010. Yet it has it's not that accessible, like it's gotten better, but it's taken a long time to be accessible. And when it comes to accessible you as the user have to go through so many steps to make it accessible, and it it gets tiring for the user. It can be frustrating, and so they just kind of like get exhausted and just give up. So they think, "Why bother?" Right? And the the onus gets put on the user to make it accessible, and and for you know think of those who are visually impaired <laughs> with chronic illness. That's a lot of that's a lot of work and a lot of steps. And mm-hmm. actually, most of the time, we're the ones making it our content accessible. So it's accessible between us. But when we want to have access other people's content, it's not accessible for us. So you know, we want to be part of those communities. We want to be able to know what's going on, but we can't access it. You know. I have you know, to do a post, I've gotta do multiple steps, go down, go to accessibility, go put in the alt text. I've got a a ten image carousel post, I've gotta put in the alt text for ten images. You know, most people are like, Oh, that's a lot of work. Right. And I and I think, you know, Instagram can make should make it easier for everybody. Like they do use some AI, but a lot of times it's like this image could be a you know, and mm-hmm. it's not very helpful. So at the end of the day, the user has to put it in themselves if they if they want it to be accurate. So I that I find is really challenging <laughs> and difficult. And then 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 it comes to Instagram stories, and the people don't actually realize this, but you know, Instagram stories started back in 2016, and yet today it is still not accessible. Uh, because it, it doesn't allow the use of voiceover or screen reader to access it. So it doesn't help at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, unless you have a talking story might help. But if you're sharing posts or there's uh, something going on in the world and you're sharing some breaking news, you don't know what's going on. You know, So that's, that's where it's a, a real struggle.
0: Yeah, a lot of and, people
1: can get left in the dark.
0: Yeah, and I and that's so interesting especially what you're talking about with stories because that seems to be where people spend a lot of time and energy on the platform. Yes. yes. People go scroll through their stories and it's interesting that that is an area that has so many barriers in place in terms of yes. even being able to make it accessible in the way things are being shared. So, well, and many of us use Instagram personally or for Mm -hmm. our businesses. And as you're advocating, you know, that education and awareness piece or those two things are so key to bridging that gap between the sighted and visually impaired communities. And so I know one of the things that you had shared that really resonated with me was about making hashtags accessible. (laughs) and capitalizing the first letter of each word. And Mm -hmm. when I started to implement that, because I'm like, that's something I can take and and do. When you type in a hashtag, the way that it comes up in Instagram, because you get suggestions, it's all lowercase. So if Instagram just made that shift within the platform that it was already set up, to be accessible. Mm-hmm. And to have those first letters capitalized, that would make things much easier all around, it, right? And, exactly. And that would people, yeah, would just yeah. share in that way. Yeah, so, it would
1: make a world of difference. Yeah. It's actually even for a sighted person, just like the, you know, the regular eye, because you can see each individual word as it is, instead of like a mumble jumble.
0: 100%, the <laughs> exactly. Sometimes you yeah, have to look at it multiple times. So it makes so much sense. So yeah. yes, that's one thing that I took away from when I was introduced to you initially, and implemented. And I'm curious about what are maybe three things that we can do to make our social media posts more accessible for the visually impaired community? It could be including hashtags and two more or three other <laughs> things that we could be doing better. I'd love to know what I can be improving on and being more thoughtful about when I'm posting and
1: sharing. Definitely the alt text for your photos. That's a huge one. You know, people don't r- realize that we will rely on screen readers or or to th- th- that's an, a market that's untapped, you know, that. There's so many people that you're missing by, by not putting in your alt text to describe your photo or your image or your graph graphic that you're trying to tell in your, for your business. So that's a huge one. And the second would be image descriptions because even if you don't have a voice reader, most all the phones have voiceover or some sort of capability like that. And and those are for those who anyone who has autism, neuro neurodiversity, that can really help. Even if you're describing your reel or a video, sometimes those are so quick. So just having an image description of that can really help. Just to just to slow it down, understand what that video is and what you're trying to convey it makes a huge difference. And you can just put it in the comments section. Yeah, that would just make a big difference in itself. And for sure, the camel case for hashtags, capitalizing the first letter of each word is a huge help as well because the screen reader or the voiceover reads it as just one word if it's not capitalized. So it will just be blah, 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 blah versus <laughs> camel case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So those would be... My top three and that things that are simple to Mm -hmm. put in. If you just started with one of them today, you'd be helping a lot of people. I think the number one I would choose would be image image descriptions because that'd be helpful for so many people.
0: And so with image descriptions, just to clarify, make sure that I've heard you Mm -hmm. correctly. So is that, is there a place when you're making your post to share that? Or is that, as you said, you would include that in the comment section below the image? I would put it at the
1: bottom just before my hashtags. But if you don't have enough room, I write, I would write image description in comments so that the reader knows where to go. Perfect.
0: Thank you. Thank you for sharing those things. I love. Yeah. When we're learning something new and it feels like I don't know where to start in doing better, it's mm-hmm. always helpful to have those, you know, key doable things and as you mm-hmm. said, like give one a try. Yes, just one. That's yeah. all it takes. And start there and and yeah. taking that one step forward. So thank you for sharing those cuz those are completely yeah. doable strategies <laughs> that pr- probably people didn't realize the importance of them right
1: yeah. and mm-hmm. yeah once, once you get the hang of it it actually becomes really easy mm-hmm. uh it, it, it because you realize oh this is very easy just to quickly describe it put it there i, I usually just do a copy and paste and i'm done so I, if i can do it you could do it.
0: (laughs) Exactly. It's like a small change, but big impact. Small change, big impact. Exactly. So thank Mm -hmm. you so much for Mm
1: -hmm.
0: sharing those so clearly and well. And now I have two more things that I need to do better with and that I'm going to take action (laughs) on the next time that I post. So thank you. And is there anything that we can do in stories to make it more helpful? So even though Instagram doesn't have things set up in a way that lends itself towards accessibility. Is there something that we could do to, to kind of do better in that area?
1: That this is a hard one because I have such a hard time myself. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I, I struggle. I think sometimes I don't go on stories because I know it's so inaccessible for my community that I spend more time in my feed. But if you're doing stories and you're, you know, you're talking Just talk, verbally describe things. That's a big help. It's so hard because we would love to share things. It's, yeah, it becomes very difficult. But if, you know, those that have a lot of difficulty with vision just unfortunately end up not going on stories. Mm -hmm. And that's the sad reality of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I wish I had an answer. (laughs) (laughs)
0: But yeah, yeah, and maybe, you know, it's good to talk about these things and bring awareness to these things and get these conversations going. And then you hope that maybe there isn't something so much that the users can do in this particular instance, but that Instagram (laughs) could do better on their end to then support users to be able to share content, more accessibility. So it all starts with those conversations, talking about it, bringing it to light, letting people know. So, hey, Instagram, do better, do (laughs) better. that's why
1: I deliberately put
0: it in my TED talk. (laughs) I love that, absolutely, absolutely. So I appreciate you sharing, even then, you know, as a a community of Instagram users, like let's get that message out there. Yeah, uh, and yeah. put put that, you know, positive, constructive pressure on yeah. the people that have created yeah. this platform to find yeah. some creative solutions. Because there's always a solution.
1: Yes. There's always a solution. Always a solution. And I'm there... I'm positive that there is a solution. Yes, <laughs> I'm positive that there is a solution. So we'll
0: just keep talking about this more and more and yes. get that message out there. Yes. And, and, um, yes. Yeah.
1: And, and, then, and don't you want more people on your platform and ex- more engagement? Ex- like, exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. That's what it's all about. That's so what there it's all you go. about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I love too how you brought up, you know, with with some of the accommodations or steps in making things more accessible, how it benefits. It's not only for the visually Mm -hmm. impaired and blind community. There's broader issues and and benefits in terms of accessibility for others as well. And so I think that's, that's important to really remember. And I mean, in general people, all of us learn in different ways. And process information best when we see, hear, do, engage with things in multiple ways. So Instagram, (laughs) increase (laughs) the ways that we can all engage more in different ways in your platform so that we can make it more accessible for everybody. And
1: and the reality is, you know, with the stats one in four report having a disability. And that's report having a disability. Right. So it's a club that We can all join. I'm, you know, I suddenly became part of that club. If you look at me, nobody would think that I have any sort of disability, but I do. And it's, you know, there's invisible illnesses out there and conditions. And, uh, you know, we we should start with accessibility in mind because it can affect any of us at any time. And, you know, we think of our kids, we think of, you know, parents, adults, anyone, our, our parents. Let's just make it easy for everybody.
0: Mm-hmm. No, like, I love I
1: that. Why go back and change it after the fact?
0: Yeah. Just, <laughs> start. Let's just start from the beginning. Exactly. Right from the beginning. Yeah. Right from the beginning. Think about how, what we're doing or how we're setting things up, be it a social media platform or mm-hmm. really anything. How anything. can we make it more accessible Yeah. For the for the people who are using, enjoying and being a part of the experience. Yes, I agree. (laughs) I agree. Now, you had shared with me that every October is blindness awareness month. And I looked into it briefly and just read that it's about bringing a heightened focus on the blind and visually impaired community and the realities of living without sight. So I'm wondering what might be some of the opportunities and resources available during this the month of October to learn more.
1: So, with blindness awareness month in October, World Sight Day is check here is on the second Thursday of October. Okay, and you know, usually following hashtags like hashtag World Sight Day is a good way to follow along. In Canada, we have CNIB, Canadian National Institute for the Blind, and they have on their page their calendar. So it talks a lot about their fundraising and events. And same with Fighting Blindness Canada. They have a lot of virtual and in-person webinars and events as well that recognize World Sight Day and October Blindness Awareness Month and in the states they celebrate white cane safety day and blind americans quality day on october 15th and and this time we also talk about getting your eyes checked and eye health and always just bringing that awareness forward so it's it's really a month to really keep that in mind of course eye health is important all year but that's the time we, we do a lot of advocacy and fundraising during that time.
0: Yeah, and it's great. I'll make sure to share some of the resources that you've mentioned mm-hmm. as well. And I think you're right. It's something we need to be thinking about all the time. But it's I like that there's that designated time to plant those seeds. Yeah. That designated time to remind people as you said about eye health and getting your eyes checked and to get people curious and learning more and, and directed to some of these resources and organizations and fundraising efforts that are happening. So I think that's fantastic. And I did not know about October being designated (laughs) as blindness awareness month. So I'm excited to have an opportunity to learn more as well as a teacher I was thinking back about, you know, who who are the students that I worked with that this might have been a struggle for? And I was I, I haven't taught in the classroom for a while now, but I started off teaching junior high and I actually did have two students who are visually impaired. And they had a learning assistant working specifically with them. And I remember as a new teacher myself and kind of being in that day-to-day survival mode. And, and you know, as a teacher, you always want to do your best for every student in your classroom. How much I learned from this assistant and my students as far as like teaching in a classroom environment and the things that I needed to think about. And one of the things in sort of reflecting back was the things that I learned from these two students and from this learning assistant where a lot of the things that I could do to support the students in my classroom were good for all the kids in my classroom.
1: That it's exactly true. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I'm, I'm really excited to learn more all year and in particular to see some of the things that are being shared through the month of October. Now you are a teacher in the work that you're doing (laughs) I've learned already so much from you, even from the first moment that I just watched and listened to you speak in your conversation with Jillian Harris. And I'm wondering, in looking back on your own journey, who would be a favorite teacher? Or what would be a favorite learning experience that you've had? And why does that person or experience stand out for you?
1: Well, it's interesting, but actually my teachers are actually my children. They're actually my children. They have taught me to be a better person, to see the world in a whole new way, to experience the world in a whole new way, and just realize what's important in life. I know that what I do and say has a ripple effect and seeing them just be good humans is really everything that I could hope for yeah they they are the ones that actually teach me they teach me how to social media really <laughs> <laughs> but yeah they they have been my biggest teachers in life really yeah
0: as you're saying that you're making me tear up actually <laughs> <laughs> it's so it is so true and yeah. Yeah, our, our children really are such amazing teachers, social media and beyond, as you said. Yes. yes. <laughs> and you'd shared with me that your children are all grown up, yeah. which we're, I'm not quite there, but I can, it's something that's close enough that. Mm-hmm. I feel excited about, you know, as they step out into the world, because you said your children are 30, 25 and 21. Is that 21, right? 21. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As they head out into the world and, and, and do their things and find their way. Oh, it's exciting, but it's, yeah, it's a, it's a mixed bag of emotions. <laughs> it's a mixed bag. Yeah. It's a mixed bag.
1: Yeah. It's a mixed bag.
0: Yeah. Um, oh,
1: yeah. It's, it's amazing to see just the, great people that they are like that they've become and actually with you know how they've handled disability and how they are very empathetic and they recognize others and know how to show compassion and recognize how to help others and critical thinking has <laughs> really
0: it's been good
1: yeah yeah wow. so I I've learned a lot from them.
0: Well, and it's a testament to you as well. You've raised (laughs) good humans. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, that's fantastic. Now, when you look back at your own journey, Mm -hmm. I'm wondering what is something that you are the most proud of?
1: I'm proud of the resilience that I've been able to have. Being able to not only get through my diagnoses, both of them, move through them and move forward with them and you know even through the the grieving process the somewhat denial process for a while you know accepting it now but then also finding positives in it and creating positive change i'm grateful for the journey and You know, there's different chapters in your life and you just are on another chapter now. Mm -hmm. You know, I I used to think, oh, I've lost everything because I'm not able to work anymore. But, But actually, I've gained actually so much more. I have so much to offer and give and it makes me excited. And I'm so glad that I can connect with so many in the visually impaired community and so many insights. like I've met so many amazing people. I can't even begin to tell you that how much it has made a, a difference in my life and the conversations that I've had have been incredible. Like it's, it's, I've learned so much. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, not only downloading for me, but I've learned so much as well. And I think that's what's, cool is because you can if you remain open and you embrace everything you you know you're always learning you're always gonna keep growing and i think that's the great thing about life (laughs) yeah
0: yeah there's always more to learn yes always I have a few rapid fire questions for you. Okay. What is something that you would love to learn about or something that you would love to learn how to do?
1: I'd love to learn more about interior design and aging in place and universal design. That's something that I've always had a passion for, but I'd like to spend more time doing. Yeah.
0: What is a place that is at the top of your travel bucket list?
1: At the top would be Greece and Italy.
0: Both amazing. Yes. (laughs) What is a book, podcast, movie, or TV show that you've enjoyed recently? I actually don't watch
1: too much because just with my vision loss and my headache, but I actually listened to your podcast last night with Stacey Watts about the building your online presence. That was amazing. I was so impressed I I learned so much about you know social media from her and your co- content buckets and then you know what to do if you get hacked and things like that and I was just like oh my goodness uh, yeah that was really really so interesting to learn so I really really enjoyed that <laughs> so Aww. I've gotta you no know, go and listen to some more
0: <laughs> well thank you so much for listening and yes Stacy is a wealth of knowledge and just an all around amazing human being, just like generous and so helpful and kind. So yeah, she had so many fantastic things to share in that episode. It was a fun conversation to have, but thank you so much. She had a great, great story too. (laughs) Oh, she does. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Such an interesting story. Yeah. It's my favorite thing about having a podcast is, this incredible opportunity to sit down and have really interesting conversations with really interesting and amazing people. And it's like on a personal level, it's such a gift. A, that the person shares their time with me and like Mm -hmm. makes the time and space to sit down and share their story with me and share the things they've learned and and talk about the things that they're doing. And then, yeah, there's just so many takeaways. I learn something. Mm. I learn a million things I feel in every conversation. (laughs) It's like I get ideas of things I want to dive into further. It makes questions come up for me. I have a book list that's like a mile long to read and (laughs) all kinds of things. Yeah, because there's just so much to learn. But thank you so much for your kind words. And if you could sit down and have a conversation with someone that you would love to learn from, who would it be and why?
1: Well, and interestingly, I just did a program with Vocal Eye, which is an audio description program that does live audio description for plays locally here in Vancouver, and they do online Zoom. And they partnered up with a actor and writer named Marilyn Nori, who does My Mother's Story. And so I had a chance to do my, my own mother's story. And she has since passed away, you know, 20 years ago. So if I could sit down with my mom to speak with her, that's that's what I want. Because as I was going through her story, there were so many things that I wish that I could ask her. Mm-hmm. And when you look at woman's history, I think, wow, she accomplished a lot. You know, as an Asian woman in the eighties, she climbed up the ladder in a male- in male dominant field so high up. And I'm like, how did she do that? So that's something I would love to ask her. Like, I would love to know. And what made her decide to go into this field right? <laughs> in the 1980s? Right? So that, that really piques my curiosity. I mean, as kids, we just didn't care. We just did what we did. right? <laughs> but yeah, I, it's so interesting to me. So that's something, a conversation I would love to have.
0: That would be incredible. Yeah. So and I know I've sort of mentioned this already but I just I really feel like education and learning plays just an important and integral role in all facets of our lives. We can always find ways and places where teaching and learning are happening. So do you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom that you could share to empower or support people in their own teaching and learning journeys?
1: I think, you know, always be curious and always be open to, to never stop learning, have a growth mindset and encourage that critical thinking. I think that is so important to have that critical thinking and be, be always embracing diversity and inclusion. And you know, that's how we you know, by keeping our, our open mindedness and always just practice empathy and be an active listener. For me, I love to listen. I always listen with my heart and I just love to listen and learn from people. I don't I don't always love to like talk talk talk, but I love to listen and learn. And, and hear people and their thoughts. And that's how I learn.
0: That's great advice. Taking those pauses and really listening and the critical thinking and empathy mm-hmm. and that openness, so, so important. And I want to thank you so very much for saying yes when I reached out to you to be a guest on my podcast and for sharing your time and your story and all your words of wisdom with us today. If our listeners want to learn more about you and all the things that you're up to, where are the best places to find you?
1: And the best place to find me is on my website at purposeinview.com. and you can find me on my TED Talk, which is on YouTube, and it's under Anne Mock, uh, titled Blind Sighted. And I'm most active on Instagram, and I do have TikTok, Pinterest, and Facebook, but I'm not that active there, but I am there.
0: <laughs> I'll make sure, sure to share all that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for joining me, Anne. It was amazing to connect with you and to learn from you today.
1: Thank you so much, Diana. It's been so good spending the time with you today as well.
0: Thank you for listening to the People Teaching People podcast. I'm your host, Tiana Fesch. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Tiana Fesh and on my website, tianafesh.com. I would love it if you would subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. Your feedback and support are so appreciated. See you next time where we will continue to explore all things teaching and learning together.